of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. everybody. Welcome to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones here to discuss issues of worship, theology, and culture. Um, today I am diving into a sort of worship-related topic, and really specifically it really is a music-related topic, and I do want to make the distinction there so that um, uh, people do not continue to equate music with worship. The two are not the same, and more and more it is driving me crazy when people equate music with worship. Um, But I am talking about a music-related topic today, and uh, it's one I've thought about quite often, and and I, I am considering doing even more research on it. I want to talk to you about the characteristic of hymns. Uh, Many, uh, like me, grew up uh, in churches that sang hymns, and some of you did not. Some of you might uh, may, might not know many hymns. And I, I was recently asked what my church's hymn to contemporary congregational music ratio is, and um, I, I keep a running chart that I continuously update. So I knew the answer to that question, uh, but it, but it was very apparent to me at the time that the person asking this question did not understand the meaning of the word uh, the words hymn. And contemporary. Um, These are two words that I think people have a misunderstanding about. And most people would likely assume contemporary to mean a modern style. Uh, But the word contemporary does not necessarily mean a modern style. Um, It really denotes an era or a time frame. So if I were to ask um, who a contemporary of Mozart was, someone could respond with Haydn. They were contemporaries of each other. They lived in the same time or the same era. And uh, I could also say that Carrie Underwood is a contemporary of myself. And you could go beyond music and you could dive into other areas or even something completely unrelated. Um, I could say that, um, that, that... Pope uh, Pope John Paul, who's already passed away, I could even say he was a contemporary of me because he lived in the same time and era. Uh, so to restate the question, I think it would be more appropriate to ask, what is your church's ratio of hymns to modern music? Um, but even then, we have to define a hymn. A hymn is a word that people don't understand as well. I will, I will let you know that my church is about an 88% hymn hymn-singing church. (laughs) There would probably be a lot of people in my church that would be surprised to hear that, but we sing about 88% hymns. At least that's what we've done in 2018 so far. Uh, The problem many worship pastors might experience is not necessarily a lack of singing hymns, but which hymns they sing. Um, I take time to plan the worship services in my church. Now, now, um, I haven't always done that. Um, I, I, in the past, um, as I was going through college and even graduate school, um, I would usually just pick some songs that were uh, catchy songs that people liked, hymns even, um, 
that really had no connection whatsoever. They were just songs and hymns that people liked, and we would sing them and do a good job. wasn't bad, uh, but there was no connection, and, and I since then have matured in my thoughts about worship to the point where I, I see that worship is a dialogue between God and his people. It's a conversation. And so normally I try to find a theme or something that is running through that service that is very evident, whether it's love or grace or whatever it is, and it tells a story. And so I want everything to be connected. Now, when you're doing that and you're planning scripture readings and songs and hymns, it takes some time. Anybody can get up there and just throw some songs together, but it takes some time to plan it the way I've been planning it. Uh, Sometimes people don't realize what goes into that. Um, But many congregates have the wrong idea of what constitutes a hymn. So I have had people before say, um, we need to sing more hymns. Um, One time I had that, and 80% of the music we did that day was hymns. And I said that. I said 80% of the hymns, four out of five songs we did were hymns. What do you mean by that? I said, well, um, I just sing songs that we know and like. And first of all, how am I to know what that is? Um, But there are certain characteristics that hymns possess. And the age of a song doesn't um, define it as a hymn or not a hymn. And so uh, of the hymns my church sings, about 72% are what I refer to as timeless. And those would be the ones that um, you could probably, that are probably standards in most churches that sing hymns, most of them at least. And 28% are what I would call modern hymns. Uh, the, the timeless designation has to do with the age of the hymn and whether it is usually in my denomination's hymnal, uh, and it probably would be in other denominations' hymnals as well. And modern hymns are hymns written primarily in the last 15 years by living composers and cannot be found in most hymnals, but in some they can. I know the uh, 2008 Baptist hymnal has a lot of newer hymns. Um, it, it probably wouldn't take much to think of a hymn with a uh, com- comparatively difficult melody or range, um, I could think of a few right off the top of my head, because uh, there are hymns that some of the melodies are quite challenging and the range is quite challenging. But this is the exception rather than the rule. And since most congregants are not trained musicians, hymns are designed for easy use in corporate worship. And so related to metered text and musical phrases, hymns often have similar lines. There's commonly a striking similarity usually between the first and second lines. And then the third line usually deviates from the contour. Usually, sometimes it rises in pitch. And then the fourth line is often precisely the same as the second line. Let me give you an example. The the hymn that I just told you about, Matt Boswell's Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. So the first line, Come behold the wondrous mystery, he the perfect son of man. So that's the first line. Now listen to how similar the second line is, but you will notice at the end of the line it it deviates a little bit. 
In his living, in his suffering, never trace nor stain of sin. So that's, you notice how similar those two lines are, but the second one deviates a little bit. The third line will deviate completely, and it'll rise in pitch a little bit. See the true and better Adam come to save the hell-bound man. So you can tell different than the other lines. Now listen to the fourth line. It will be almost it will be identical to the second line. Christ the great and sure fulfillment of the law in him we stand. So you could see how a congregation would find this very easy to catch on to because it is an is a very easily singable melody. Another example is Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. The first and second lines are exactly the same. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Exactly the same. Third line, teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. And then the fourth line, exactly the same again. Praise the mountain fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. It's, it's exactly the same. These are very singable uh, melodies. Um. So writing the music in this way allows congregants to understand and sing the melody quite quickly. I find that when I am teaching a new hymn to my congregation, they often learn it much faster than they do some of the modern uh, contemporary Christian music that is out there. Um, I use that term again, contemporary, the modern Christian music that's out there, where a modern song might take two or three times for a congregation to feel as though they know it well enough to sing confidently. A hymn could be understood by the congregation after hearing maybe just the first stanza. Um, And I do find that for most songs, not hymns, but songs, um, it usually does take two or three times before they start getting it in their head. But I would also suggest this, and I've done this before in another uh, podcast, Apply the text of a new hymn to an already familiar tune. I do that often when I write new hymns. I will take the text and set it to a new tune. So when the new tune is introduced, the congregation already has some experience with the hymn. Um, The easily singable melody, though, is a striking characteristic of hymns. It saddens me that churches neglect hymn singing in corporate worship. There's a great value in singing hymns, not only musically, but I think also theologically. And while congregational music should not be Christians' primary source of theological teaching, frequently and subconsciously it is. Worship leaders should take seriously the call to not only lead congregational singing, but also to aid in the spiritual formation of worshipers. Hymns are an excellent tool for corporate worship, theologically and pragmatically. And so the utilitarian use of hymns allows congregants to sing and thus learn deep theological truths in in a bold manner. Uh, The characteristics that I've given you here really should shed light on what a hymn is and what it is not. And so hopefully some of these preconceived notions go away. And with these characteristics... You might realize that, hey, my church sings more hymns than I thought. Maybe you're doing some um, newer hymns. Uh, 
Um, there, there are, I think, more younger artists that are writing in a hymnic fashion. Um, and, and my hope and prayer is that it increases. Um, and so there are a plurality, there is a plurality of ways and styles to sing and play hymns. It doesn't have to be done with just organs. It could be done with modern instrumentation. And so with that in mind, it's probably wise to consider hymns as an even more uh, important part of a church's worship experience and as part of their musical formation and, and, and part of their spiritual formation. And yes, I did say musical formation. There's nothing wrong with helping a congregation musically. So hopefully this clarifies some things about hymns. I love hymns. In fact, I would rather sing hymns than anything in in corporate worship. I love uh, hymns. And um, uh, so hopefully as as you're singing, you can listen to the music you're singing and hear it and and think about these characteristics and and say, you know what? I think that's a hymn. (laughs) Um, Hymns are a wonderful tool for corporate worship. Thanks for listening. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones.